Hello from San Francisco and welcome to the Hate Street Beat, where we are documenting the psychedelic renaissance while celebrating the past, present, and future of the Haight-Ashbury. As you can imagine, the pandemic has had a massive transformational impact on San Francisco. While downtown was once filled with office workers, tourists, and convention attendees, all three of these groups have largely disappeared and all three have been very slow to return to their previous numbers. While downtown San Francisco may be down, it's never good policy to count San Francisco out. We are a city that has risen renewed on more than one occasion in our very brief history in time. Our mayor and city supervisors are working to accelerate the conversion of downtown office buildings into residential apartments, which will reimagine and realign the ratio of workers and residents in a way that can revitalize downtown and its tax base. The impact of the pandemic has largely been a tale of two cities, downtown and the neighborhoods. With so many people working remotely, San Francisco's neighborhoods have undergone a fantastic flowering and renewal. One of the best pandemic policy outcomes has been our Slow Streets program. Slow streets were originally designed to facilitate social distancing, and select streets were partially blocked off to vehicular traffic so people could use the sidewalks and the street to walk in. Slow streets have reintroduced neighbors to each other and have been catalysts for communities to gather together for ice cream socials, collective art projects for kids of all ages, and exercise groups to name a few. In our neighborhood, Page Street has been designated a slow street, and it's one block north of and runs parallel to Hate Street. Taking the time to walk down both Page and Hate Streets will give you a good look into the residential and commercial characters and personalities of our neighborhood. Page Street is lined with exquisite Victorian architecture that was largely built in the 1890s and early 1900s. Even after almost 30 years of living in the hate, and as a lover of symmetry, I still find new architectural elements and flourishes that amaze and astound. One of the best things about San Francisco is how each neighborhood has its own unique personality. Businesses in the hate are doing a great job showcasing the creative efforts of local artists, designers, and creatives. From the kaleidoscopic tie-dyes made by local artists at Love on Hate, to the Femme Forward Collective of Designers at KO Anime Clothing, you can find a whole new you on Hate Street. And now it's time for our Psychedelic Freedom Report, which today is focused on decriminalization efforts taking place at the state level in California. Our story begins with Senate Bill 519, which was introduced in November of 2020, which would have decriminalized a broad range of psychedelics. However, its inclusion of LSD and MDMA generated intense opposition, and it met its demise in the Assembly Appropriations Committee, where its decriminalization provisions were removed. Thankfully, our esteemed state senator from San Francisco, Scott Weiner, is not giving up the fight, and he's introduced Senate Bill 58, which is laser-focused on decriminalizing plant-based psychedelics for those who are at least 21 years old. The following substances would be decriminalized with SB 58. Psilocybin, psilocin, ibogaine, mescaline-excluding peyote, and dimethyltryptamine, or DMT. 
Peyote was intentionally excluded so demand won't decimate its already limited supply for use in ceremonial and spiritual contexts by indigenous populations. By limiting SB58's focus to plant-based psychedelics, it may stand a better chance of surviving the state legislature. Psilocybin, which is the magic in magic mushrooms, and DMT, which is one of the two active ingredients in ayahuasca, are both at the leading edge of decriminalization efforts, as they should be, given their historical lineage of ceremonial usage by indigenous communities for thousands of years. We are finally allowing our psychedelic past to help shape and give voice to our future. At the press conference introducing SB 58, Senator Weiner said, quote, Psychedelics have a tremendous capacity to help people heal. But right now, using them is a criminal offense. These drugs literally save lives and are some of the most promising treatments we have for PTSD, anxiety, depression, and addiction. Another persuasive endorsement of SB 58 was made by retired SFPD officer Sergeant Carl Tenenbaum, who said, As a former law enforcement professional, I've seen what works and what doesn't. Removing criminal penalties for psychedelics will improve public safety in California, allow law enforcement to focus on violent crime, and it will give hope to first responders and many others who suffer from PTSD. SB 58 is sponsored by the Heroic Hearts Project, which is a veterans service organization that connects veterans to psychedelic psychotherapy for treating complex trauma. Like any legislation, SB 58 is not perfect and it has its limitations, but it does represent a quantum leap in our efforts to decriminalize psychedelic medicines for the whole state of California. Our guest today is Magic Mike, who owns the Psychedelic SF Art Gallery, which can be found at one of the most colorful corners of our neighborhood, at Haight and Masonic. The Haight has always been a haven for artists, working in a wide range of mediums including music, poster artists, paint, mixed media, architecture, and beyond. Walking through the Haight is a feast for the senses. The combination of psychedelics and artistic creativity is on clear display at the Psychedelic SF Art Gallery. I had a chance to attend a recent exhibit of Caitlin Madison and Alan Forbes' work and was blown away by how breathtaking and stunning their art is. Some of the work was a direct callback to the psychedelic poster art that was so popular in the late 1960s, while other work featured celestial and gothic themes that were mind-melting fun to behold. Art needs an audience to work its magic, and a gallery is the essential frame around the works on exhibition. Magic Mike has done some great work showcasing local artists while providing a doorway to a dimension of discovery for anyone walking through the hate. You know how it is with great art. The more you look, the more you see. And that's doubly true in the hate ashbury Hello, Magic Mike, and welcome to the show. What was the inspiration for you to start the Psychedelic SF Gallery? The idea for the gallery was until COVID hit and the space came available, you know. I had already been uh, collecting art my whole life. and uh, But as far as moving back into the hate, and I decided to bring something back to the neighborhood that uh, is a part of history, you know, and people deserve to see some of this stuff that they would never get a chance to see 
in only like maybe in a private collection or a museum or something like that. And if it was on, you know, but a lot of the stuff is one of a kind stuff. So it's basically here or it's not, you know, anywhere else basically. But um, yeah, just giving people a chance to check it all out and, and see it. And ha like upstairs, we're gonna feature different artists, you know, a couple times a year. Uh, every year we plan on doing a uh, bicycle day celebration with a blotter show for a couple months, you know. And, uh, you know, Alex Gray being one of our biggest artists between the blotter art, Grateful Dead and Alex Gray are our main stuff that we have here. So, and then we'll just rotate different artists upstairs, you know. So, but yeah, that's why, you know, it's something to bring back to the neighborhood, bring to the neighborhood, you know, that, uh, you know, people can enjoy. And I've had a lot of compliments from a lot of the neighbors that, you know, have seen the gallery or, and uh, appreciate that there's something cool like this to have in the, in the neighborhood. They bring their friends when they're in town. What's your hope for the gallery to accomplish? To keep going with the shows, uh, we, you know, we, one of my ideas for the gallery was to, you know, maybe have like small private events where people could have a small little uh, get together, uh, maybe pre-concert or pre-something where they need a space for maybe 20 to 30 or 40 people. And, you know, we've had music events already, a couple of bands play. So I'm thinking of giving that a try and just uh, seeing how that goes. And uh, you know, we're in the process of setting up an online store so we could, you know, generate some uh, revenue that could, you know, pay the bills. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, that's about it. You know, the more people that uh, find out about us and come and, and check it out and can see the vibe that we have is a little bit different than, uh, you know, anywhere else. A lot of people feel like uh, welcome here, you know. And the more interested you are in, are in uh, with art, especially the art that we have here, then it's really the place you need to be to come check that out, you know? What drew you to psychedelic art in particular? Uh, well, I mean, ever since I was young, I, I explored with psychedelics and uh, resonated towards psychedelic artists. And that's when I became uh, aware of these uh poster shows with all these famous artists that would have uh, booths there when I was a younger kid you know I was lucky enough to get turned on you know at a young age and was able to meet a lot of these artists and collect their stuff at a young age you know so I had a little uh, <clears throat> a little head start in the game to you know kids my age you know especially being from like Miami you know how, how would you say psychedelics have impacted your life personally um, well, you know, it's, it's definitely developed my taste in art, uh, you know, that's for sure, and music and uh, friendships that I make with people, you know, we all kind of resonate with the same energy, you know. It's neat how right now it definitely feels like there's a psychedelic renaissance that's coming around again. Uh, psychedelic psychotherapy, uh, we're seeing decriminalization, those sorts of things. Uh, how would you like to see psychedelics get reintegrated back into society? You know, it's funny you said that because, I mean, I see that too clearly in uh, society today. It looks like people are starting to realize the benefits of psychedelics and how they can be used properly to achieve certain goals that you're looking for, you know. So education is important, you know, so people need to really do their homework on what it is they're really looking for, you know, and... In the 60s, uh, people were first getting turned on, you know, they just, I don't think they really had a gauge on how much to use. It's, uh, you didn't really need a very little bit, you know, 
So uh, all these years later, finally, these kids are, uh, or people today, even like Silicon Valley, I heard is a real popular micro dosing uh, community, you know, and it's just making people more creative and more social and, you know, to work together better as a team more creatively, you know, and not just there, but, you know, anywhere, anywhere you decide you want to put your energy and put your focus to do something, I believe it enables you to do that, you know. It doesn't give you a fear of trying not to do it, let's just say. And it seems like there's also a greater appreciation for the indigenous origins of these substances and it's just the whole well, history. Because, exactly. I mean, now, you know, all these years later, I mean, people have done their, there's been books written, uh, videos, movies, and, you know, people are hip to it now. You know, it's like there's no, it's not a secret so much anymore. You know, psychedelics back uh, 20 years ago, 20, 30 years ago, it's a big difference, you know, than today. Today, it seems more like uh, respected and uh, used uh, properly, you know. Uh, what year did you first come to the Haight-Ashbury? The, well, the first year I came here, let's we'll see, when I was uh, supposed to have been 1987. What was the neighborhood yeah. like then? Yeah. Well, the back then it was like, it was a little different, you know. Uh, you know, I was on tour with the Grateful Dead as a kid. So this is one of their, this is where they're from. And this is like their main stop, let's just say, throughout the yearly tours. And uh, this is a place to end up because when the Grateful Dead wasn't playing, then we had uh, Jerry Garcia shows at the Warfield. So it was something to do when, between tours, you know, seeing all the, the Jerry Band shows, you know. So the, the Warfield was like a, you know, it was like always playing there. Every couple months he was at the Warfield, you know. Between the Warfield, the Panhandle, and up on Haines Street here, this was like the, uh, you know, this is where all the deadheads would hang out, you know, back then. What would you say are some of the through lines in psychedelic art that, that, kind of, that make it psychedelic art? Uh, well, I believe, well, that's a good question because there are a lot of things do for me, you know, uh, uh, I, I really like a lot of texture. If you look at a lot of the stuff up here behind you, there's soup, that one by Alison Gray is a pretty amazing painting. The way that she, uh, paints with the, like just stacks the ink on there. I mean, that, not the ink, but the paint is just stacked on there. The way it dries, is, uh. They're all unique individuals, different, different, and uh, you know when you're high on psychedelics and look at that, it uh, really comes alive, you know. So that's a good one. Uh, and then also a lot of Alex Gray stuff. You look at, you see the energy, the the energy around the bodies, and uh, that's a psychedelic. You know, that's psychedelic. When you're on, when you're high, you can see the auras around people and their energy and everything, and that's one of the things that's captured me. I would say Alex Gray as one of the uh, one of my favorite artists I've been collecting since a young kid uh, is that he was able to paint the visions that are uh, that I kind of would see similar things in my trips that he did too, and uh, he, you know, but he he could paint them, <laughs> you know, so very cool, and that's what got me into collecting his stuff. What's your hope for the future of the Hate Ashbury? Well, the, the, my hope for the future of Haight-Ashbury is to just, uh, you know, keep moving in the right direction and keep having the next uh, future generations of people, uh, you know, working towards the, uh, you know, not looking at psychedelics as being anything bad, you know, but as being something, uh, you know, that's 
that's good for people that can be used in so many ways, you know, to uh, benefit your life. And, uh, you know, the neighborhood, you know, it needs to keep, come back still since COVID, you know, it hasn't really came back alive all the way, but it's starting to. So to continue doing that and opening more stores that are more, you know, artistically creative and, you know, fun and bringing in more people to, to you know, explore with this. Uh, I want to start selling, having a small book section that has informational books on psychedelics, you know, that's what people can actually come and not only look at the art, but then they can also look or read or purchase a book that's inf informational about like psychedelics and tripping and stuff, you know. Yeah, the uh, Psychedelic Society of San Francisco has some online courses that people can take uh, for better understanding, you know, the history, the indigenous yeah. traditions. Yeah, that's great. See, because that's that's the whole thing, you know. I think I see for the future of people is just uh, psychedelic education, you know. Like everybody should get it, you know. <laughs> yeah, definitely, life's better with it. That's for sure. about this song. Let's go inside the music. The song was written in 1990 in East Lansing, Michigan, while overlooking the Red Cedar River at about 5 a.m. friend to this song. Put an ad in the state news. It's the old student newspaper at Michigan State University. Looking to put together a band and a really good lifelong friend answered the ad. I didn't know they were a lifelong friend then, but I sure do now. And I played this song for them.
the song's called Nothing Stops. And I was like, oh, did he just make a mistake? Did they just make a mistake? In the original recording, that's what I thought I did, but... Time has turned my view around. In terms of what musical mistakes mean. All a musical mistake is a defines of expectation and you know what that's not a bad thing at all because that's what exactly what you want to defy is expectation because then you can go somewhere new but if you think it's a mistake and you're like oh no i messed that up i better just shut it down and start again oh no it's a missed opportunity a mistake is just an opportunity to do something new is time feel, the way you feel time through the music. The great thing about being a musician is you can speed time up and you can slow it down. It has ebb, it has flow, and you can go with it. The idea that time is this fixed constant is an illusion. The only constant it is, is flux.
That's the beauty of music. You get to play with time. Victor Wooten was talking about how there are no wrong notes. They're all connected like colors in a rainbow. And so this song, the left hand, the low notes just move in chromatic order. Every note is heard. speed but you come out of them either faster or slower at a different speed just turning points in time and hard comes easy in this world but slow and gentle you gotta work at that
This segment of the podcast is called Inside the Music. Literally. friends melodies are like friends you know it's like some of these i wrote a long like nothing stops when i was 1990 that's an old ass song but it's like a friend it's like every time it comes back every time i played it's like an old friend swinging by it's like no time has passed at all it's a beautiful thing welcome to the hate street beat you are inside the music on the hate street beat (laughs) 